Thank you guys for all of you who participated, sent your kids, prayed for, had any part in our vacation Bible school this year. Thank you. Uh, a little bit unusual the way we had Bible school this year, but uh, things uh, are, are changing, so that's good. Uh, so, uh, but we are happy that we had a chance to share the gospel with so many kids and to be able to just express to them how much we love them. And how important they are to us. And so thank you guys for doing that. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. I want to thank our church family also this week. Uh, You've uh, been very busy in ministry this week. And thank you guys for your compassion. And for your love for our church family. And for uh, just the, the outreach and the things that you do each week. We don't always know what happens through the week. And our church family, but uh, I'm just so glad that uh, you guys are ready and uh, willing to step up. So thank you guys for being that kind of church. Uh, I want to share with you this morning again uh, some of those things that for us as believers that are essential to our faith. There are certain things that uh, maybe you've got a list of those or at least in your mind. There are things that you consider that are irreplaceable in your life. One of those things I know of for me are, are saltine crackers, okay? I mean, don't give me those store brands, right? I don't care how great a value it is. That, 
some things are just irreplaceable. You just don't go there with those things. Uh, some of you might be more serious about that, like your family certainly is irreplaceable. Uh, children, spouses, uh, some of you are uh, so convinced that you got the greatest job in the world that your job is irreplaceable. Or For me, like a long time in my job, I felt like I was irreplaceable, but that's never true, by the way. Uh, but uh, we, we do look at some things that we consider that way. Certainly in our society and our culture today, our cell phones are one of those things that are absolutely, we would think, maybe irreplaceable. How would I ever get by without that through a day? But I promise you, you can. Uh, and so we think about some of those things. But yet there's one thing uh, in uh, uh, our world as believers that is absolutely irreplaceable. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You, you know, our VBS was focused on the gospel. It always is. Uh, and so one of the questions I asked and as I shared the plan of salvation is, what does the word gospel mean? Uh, and uh, the kids, you know, thought about it, and some of them had the right answer. Uh, but the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, It's the news that Christ has come. It's the news that Christ died for us. It's the news that Christ was raised from the dead after that death that he experienced on our behalf. It's the good news that gives us salvation. And so when it comes to our life, the gospel is irreplaceable. As a matter of fact, in regards to the church, the first message that the church preached was the gospel. Uh, And certainly in order, but also in priority, the gospel is the only message that the church has. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's his death, burial, and resurrection. It's the foundation of his existence. The church exists because of the gospel, because of God's assignment to the church to go out and preach the gospel and share the good news of the world today. It's irreplaceable in the church. If you take the gospel away from the church, then there's no church. And so it's certainly irreplaceable in the church. It was to the apostles as well. In their ministry, the first message that the uh, apostles, it was the very launching of their ministry was here in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, where Peter stood up that day after the Holy Spirit had come, and he began to explain what was going on, what was happening. And in that explanation, he immediately brought it to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It launched the ministry of the apostles. It It also really was the very reason uh, that they laid down their life. Peter and other of the apostles were were martyred for their preaching of the gospel. And so it became the very reason that they lost their life. For the believers, for you and I today, we know that the gospel is the power for salvation, right? The Bible says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Uh, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. We believe in the gospel and it, it, it uh, uh, produces in us the power to be saved, uh, to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. It, it's certainly our, our position is secured by the gospel. In other words, our, our heavenly home, our relationship with God, our inheritance, uh, our son and daughtership are all connected to the gospel message. We don't have any of those things apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel 
also to the believer is certainly our passion and our reason for service, isn't it? I mean, why would we go out and share a message that we're not convinced that has benefit to it? Why would we consider going out and, and, and being persecuted by the culture that we live in if we didn't strongly believe that what we were sharing is God's truth, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? And so the gospel is all those things to us as believers that we really enjoy and that we really depend on. But yet there's some in our world today that would like to replace the gospel. Uh, Paul warned about it even in his ministry. Uh, At the beginning, he warned that there would be those that would preach another gospel. Uh, Another in the sense that's not the same as the true gospel. And Paul was so strong and so forceful about his response to another gospel that he said it would, he would rather see them anathema, separated from God, cursed, set aside by God than to share another gospel. You see, those other gospels are those that add to what we know the true gospel is. It's more than just Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection. It becomes more about our own works or our own efforts than it does about what Jesus Christ did for us. What an insult to the grace of God, isn't it? If that He would do all that He did to save us and that we would try to add something to that. It's those who take away some parts of that true gospel. Maybe it's not just His death, or maybe it's not just His resurrection. Maybe it's not that, but it's less than that. And so now all of a sudden we see a, a, a replacement for the gospel, another gospel. You know, there's, there's some in, in the world today that that other gospel takes the form of social reformation. Right? It's getting cleaned up and then coming to Jesus Christ. Or it's doing all those good works to benefit the, the world around us that puts us in relationship with God. Those things may be good, but they're not good enough. Only Jesus Christ is good enough to secure our salvation. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what He did for us. And so no other message can replace that one. No other message has the authority that the message of the gospel has or has the power of the message of the gospel or can accomplish for us what Jesus Christ has for us in His death, burial, and resurrection. And so the gospel is irreplaceable. Listen to what Peter says in Acts chapter 2. I want to encourage you to read the whole context of his message or the whole message of Peter, but this morning, for time's sake, we're going to look at just a portion of it. Beginning at verse 22, listen to what he says. He says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered up by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, You had taken by lawless hands and crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosened the pains of death, 
because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is, in my, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You have made me full of joy in your presence. Bow with me this morning. We'll pray and come back and look at these verses. Father in heaven, we're so thankful today that there is a gospel, that it's true and that it's irreplaceable. Father, help us to, again, see the grace and the blessing that you give to us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Help us to, Lord, realize again or refresh our minds and our hearts about how important this message is. Father, and I ask you these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. You know, first of all, if you'll look with me at this passage of Scripture, when it comes to the gospel, you see the gospel is irreplaceable because of who it's about, right? It's, it's because of the person, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what makes it imp, uh, important and irreplaceable. Listen to what he says in verse 22. He says, men of Israel, and he's addressing the crowd at the day of Pentecost. And as Peter steps back and all these are gathered and they're coming around to see what's happening, Peter takes advantage of those opportunities, same as we should when it comes to the gospel. Take advantage of our opportunities. But he stood with boldness and courage, and here he began to uh, proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says this, men of Israel, he says, hear these words. He says, guys, listen up to what I have to say. Pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. And he goes on, he says, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him, in your midst, as you yourselves also know. He says, listen, guys, I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. This gospel is irreplaceable because of who it's about. It's a story, it's the message, it's the good news of Jesus Christ. And Peter gives some things about that that's important for you and I to realize. First of all, he talks about Jesus the man, doesn't he? He says, I'm saying Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, somebody that you know, men of Israel, Jesus, a man attested by God. So Peter reminds them, and we need to be reminded as well, that Jesus Christ, God, yet he came to this earth as a man. Why is that so important to us today? It's really the core of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he would humble himself and come a, as a man, come in the flesh. The Bible says that Jesus' birth, the Holy Spirit conceived in Mary, uh, and, and Jesus Christ was born of Mary. He came into this world as a man. Now, was he any less God than before? No. But he was a man. I, we don't know how to reconcile that. I don't know how in my mind, maybe you do, but that Jesus is fully God and fully man. But he had to be to be the Savior that he is. And so we're, we're, we have to think about that. You see, first of all, in his humanity, Jesus identified with us, didn't he? 
I mean, that, that he came and that he became, in a sense, one of us in the sense that he could experience everything that you and I go through. All the hurt, the disappointment, the pain, the struggle. Why? Because he's our great high priest. He's the one who ministers to us. And listen, until Jesus Christ learned how to minister or experience uh, what we go through, uh, uh, then uh, he became able to identify with us, right? I know when I was first called as a pastor, I thought, you know, uh, gosh, I've got so much to learn and, and so many things. And the first church of pastors was so gracious because they forgave a whole lot of things. You guys do as well. Uh, but uh, one of the things that I, I just didn't know that much about is how to go and visit someone in the hospital. Really didn't know how to do that. Uh, didn't really realize that. And so it wasn't long into my ministry, uh, uh, probably about six months that I spent some time in the hospital. And uh, so after spending time in the hospital, I figured out what people really need and, and what they, they, they really benefits them while they're in the hospital by being there. The only way I would have known that is, is by, by, by virtue of being there. You see, Jesus Christ knows our struggles. He knows the challenges that we have. Why? Because he's been there. He's been there. Listen to what Scripture says. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So what Jesus had to do, he had to come and experience life so that he would respond to you and I in an effective way. That word propitiation means to appease. God's holy nature when we sinned against him was offended and the only thing that could satisfy God's offense or him being offended by us was for an offering to be made that would satisfy his anger and appease his holy nature and guess who that was the Lord Jesus Christ he's the one who satisfies our debt that we have Against God because of our sin. And so he came like one of us. The Bible says, uh, in a sense, to feel our pain, our weakness, our disappointments, our suffering. To do what we can't. He came and offered himself as a sacrifice. To fulfill the law. To substitute himself for us. Jesus Christ is all that and more. And that's why. The gospel is indispensable because it's about him. He became like us. I love what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2. He says in verse 6 and 7, Who being in the form of God, talking about Jesus, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of a man. The, those words that Paul uses, consider it to be robbery, to be equal with God. You, you know, simply that means that Jesus didn't selfishly hold on to his place in heaven at the expense of not coming to this earth. Because if he had not come, we would not be saved. Jesus says, if not saving man, uh, if, if me saying in heaven doesn't save man, then I'm going to earth. I'm going to give up my life so that. You and I could be saved. You see, the gospel is irreplaceable. Jesus, because it's about the person. 
Jesus the person, he, Jesus the man. Well, Peter goes on and says something else about that person. Not only Jesus the man, but he talks about Jesus, his miracles. What, what, what he did, he says that, that God attested or testified to you about him in these ways. By miracles, wonders, and signs. You know, all we have to do is look at Jesus' ministry in the New Testament. And we can see all these things that Jesus did. All the miracles that he did. How many people that came to Jesus Christ and he healed. The lepers that he cleansed. Right? All those things that he did that were miraculous. Feeding the 5,000 with a few loaves of bread and fish. All those miracles. And then, you know, the Bible talks about, Peter says here, not only his miracles, but his wonders. I thought about that. What, you know, what's the difference between miracles and wonders? They're all, they're all supernatural, right? And God does those things. But I thought about the wonder. You know, one of the things that I remember in the gospel that, that's uh, always encouraged me was the fact that when Jesus taught, whatever he taught, whenever he preached, the people looked at it as someone having authority. You see, that's the wonders of Jesus Christ. Even his teaching is a wondrous thing. He talks about the fact that not only wonders and miracles that he did, but also signs. Those things that testified that he must be God because only God can do these things. And I remember how he refreshed the disciples' face that, that night when he came walking on the water, right? And the disciples looked out and they thought, oh man, here comes a ghost. Here comes some kind of spirit. But the closer that Jesus came, the more they understood, hey, that's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus. What a sign to build their faith and their confidence in Him. All these things testified that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's God. Paul, um, Peter said, hey, he's a man, but he does miracles. And then he goes on, and then he gives one more testimony about the person of Jesus Christ. And really, when you put all these two together, you come up with that Jesus, the Messiah. That he is the Messiah, that he's God. Peter's case is building to the fact that Jesus Christ is Messiah. As he goes on in the message and he preaches, he reveals the fact that, hey, that this man is Christ. So all the Jews that were there that day understood who he was and who Peter was saying he was. He fulfilled the prophecies that identified him as the Messiah. All those things. See, so why is the gospel irreplaceable? Well, it's irreplaceable for one reason, because of the person at the center, the Lord Jesus Christ. Another reason that the gospel is irreplaceable is because of, uh, of, of the passion that Christ went through his suffering. Uh, all, all that he did to accomplish our salvation. Look at verse 24. Peter goes on. At one verse 23 he says, Him being delivered up by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. The word delivered up is literally that very thing. He was given over to. Peter goes on and says in verse 24, Into the hands of sinful men. What for? To be crucified. You, you see, it's, it's His death. Uh, the gospel is about the death of Jesus Christ. There's passion in His death. 
There's suffering in how he died, right? Uh, I mean, when we read the account of his crucifixion, listen, we, it, it, it breaks my heart. It, it's hard for my mind to understand the depths of the suffering that Jesus Christ went through, but yet the worst of the suffering wasn't the physical torture that he went through. But it was the spiritual nature of taking our sins on himself, being our sin bearer, taking that weight and receiving the penalty, the punishment of our sins on himself. And Jesus died because of our sin. The Bible talks about he died at the hands of the guilty. So that the guilty could become innocent. So that we could be his child. How wonderful is that? That we were guilty. Stained. He declared us not guilty. Cleansed us. And made us a place in his family. It's irreplaceable. Isn't it? it? It was his death, his burial. The Bible says that he was and put to death. See, Jesus died on the cross. He didn't pass out. He didn't somehow spiritually die. He physically died also. He died. The Bible says he was buried. Suffering that Jesus Christ went through. Well, you see, the good news is, is that verse 24 says, Whom God raised up, having loosed the pangs of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. You see, Peter reminds us that there's the resurrection. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture also says that every believer in Jesus Christ, every believer in Jesus Christ is going to be raised in the same fashion that Jesus was. Scripture says by the same power we shall be raised from the dead. Scripture says that Jesus Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. Many more believers will follow everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I love the old gospel song. Ain't no grave going to hold my body down. Jesus couldn't be held by the grave, Scripture says. Evidence says, truth says. And listen, you and I can't be held down by the grave. Same power. Same resurrection that Jesus Christ experienced. You and I one day as believers will experience that. We'll be raised from the dead. Bodies new. Life in Christ whole. What great promises the Bible has. Because of his passion, his suffering. That's why the gospel is irreplaceable. There's no other message that promises the hope that the gospel of Jesus Christ does. There's no other message that, that announces a forgiveness from God like the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it's because of the person and the passion that the person went through. But if you look on with me, the gospel is irreplaceable because of what it does.
because of what it produces in people's lives. Verse 25, listen to what Peter quoted David. And uh, David had this to say, For David says concerning him, talking about Jesus Christ, the Savior. Here's what David said. He says, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. In other words, David said, I, I had a word from God, a message from God about his coming. Uh, about who he would be, what he would do. And he goes on, for he is at my right hand (coughs) that I may not be shaken. Reassurance, isn't it? Doesn't the gospel produce reassurance in our lives today? Listen, if the grave can't hold us, if death doesn't defeat us, if there's more than this life and the gospel promises all that, then how about the reassurance that that brings to our life? How about if Jesus Christ would do all this so that you and I could be forgiven, how about the sense of grace in our lives that reassures us? In other words, if I mess up, it's not, it's not over just because I mess up. That's the message that Christ gives to us. Reassurance. David said, I, I, I felt this reassurance that... That I'm not able to be shaken. How often when you think about the Lord Jesus Christ and His love for you. and What He did for you on Calvary. That that reassures you that hey. You know what? Jesus makes everything alright. He takes my pain and my grief and my hurt and my woundedness and my brokenness. And He begins to work in all that. To make something good and whole. That's the message of the gospel. There's rejoicing also in verse 26. So another thing that it produces. He says, therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. What's David saying? He says, listen, I I was so excited in my heart that my tongue just leaped with joy. Right? (laughs) I, I, I got so encouraged in knowing Messiah and his truth and his death and his resurrection, that my, my mouth wouldn't be quiet about it. So there's rejoicing. Not only rejoicing, but again, verse 27, there's that resurrection again, isn't it? Verse 27, For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. David says, You're not going to leave me in the grave because you didn't stay in the grave. You're not going to leave those who believe in you in the grave because you didn't stay in the grave. And the evidence is the resurrection. Folks, we've got so much hope in Jesus Christ. And in verse 28, there's this thing about regeneration. The Bible talks about that. In other words, it's just getting life again. The Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And He made us alive. He regenerated us. He gave us life. Uh, He says in verse 28, You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. In other words, what David's talking about life. He said, you you teach me how to live it. But one day I'm going to fully experience it in heaven. And that's all because of The gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it produces those things. Like 
reassurance and regeneration and resurrection and rejoicing and all those blessings that follow along from our salvation. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the only message that can bring someone from death to life. From living in in darkness, separated from God, to a life with Him, living that in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that's why the gospel is irreplaceable. There's no counterfeit. There's no substitute. There's no replacement for what the Bible shares is the message of salvation in Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important to the church, isn't it? What else do we have if we don't have this message of Jesus Christ? What good can we do that's any greater than telling someone about Jesus Christ? Through the gospel. It's irreplaceable. So look, if we have to hold on, let the last thing that we hold on to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's worth it. Bow with me this morning and let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you today for the good news of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That he loved us and gave up his life for us so that we could be saved, forgiven, born again into your family, become a child of God. Lord, you said in your word, but as many as receive you, To them, you give the right to become children of God to those who believe on your name. Father, I just pray this morning that we'll be faithful as believers, as a church, to share the irreplaceable truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If there's anything that this world has ever needed today, it's to know about you. Lord, I pray this morning that... If anyone this morning would want to share, receive, benefit from the good news of Jesus Christ, that you would draw them to yourself this morning, right here in this place, in this service this morning. Father, I just ask you today to honor your word, and Lord, just draw us to you this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. I would invite you to stand.